Welcome to a special edition of SMX Insider. We are your insiders, Jason Wagon and Daniel Blair. Together, we love Daytona so much, we couldn't leave. We stayed. Yeah. We stuck around. Mm -hmm. The show goes to Indy. Yeah. We stayed here. It was such a great night. And uh, Jason, I had a really good time. Obviously, the, the event was incredible. You saw the scene at the end. Um, and it's to celebrate Eli Tomac's victory over his two biggest rivals. And that's what I wanted. I wanted Daytona. I wanted to see what they would do together. No excuses. No, well, that guy got a bad start or that guy had this. I wanted to see the three together. I got that and it was an incredible night. And does it tell us a bigger story? I think so a little bit, but this is also Daytona. It's a unique special event for man. It was, and what's interesting, yes, Tomac Howell, and we'll get into this later in the show, has seven Daytona wins, tied with Richard Petty for most ever in this building, but he has had to earn it the last couple of years. Roxon pushed him a few years ago, two in a row from Webb. He definitely made it interesting and the fans loved it, but we're not actually here still riding that high. It's the Ricky Carmichael amateur Supercross that we're both here uh, to watch right now. And speaking of that, the young talent coming through the sport, Hunter Lawrence wins 250 East. I don't think that surprised anybody. Hayden Deegan is already on the podium. Yeah, we typically would see Hayden Deegan at something like this, but he yeah. has graduated up to the pro ranks and it's been really fun to watch. He's he's had a heat race win and a couple fours, but when you get a podium at Daytona and you do it the way he did with a little bit of a little mm -hmm. bit of authority, mm -hmm. uh, that's very special. So I, again, the 450 class was great, but that 250 class, there's a lot to get into there too. Hunter and Thrasher, their situation, ooh, we'll get into that. Uh, but man, Hayden Deegan, uh, he's proving every week that I think he's more than just special. Okay, time for the big interview here on SMX Insider. And we do have a big one. We have the winner not just of the Daytona Supercross. We're talking the biggest race there, the Daytona 500, the Great American Race. Ricky Stainhouse, thanks for coming on. And I know you're actually a Supercross motocross fan, so it makes sense for you to come on and join us for a bit. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I mean, I don't know if your fans are going to like that you just said the, the biggest race. of the, You know, I think the biggest race is the Daytona 500. They probably, Eli probably thinks uh, Daytona Supercross is pretty important. Uh, but no, it's cool. Um Definitely love Daytona, love Supercross. So uh, anytime they get together, especially, you know, in the tri-oval there, uh, man, it creates such a great racetrack and, and some epic finishes over the years. Yeah, and what I always say about Daytona, there's such a variety of events there from the 24-hour Rolex sports car race, the Supercross, all the NASCAR racing, so many different disciplines. They treat all the winners equally. It's just as grand for everyone. It's almost like you're in this exclusive club of big race Daytona winners. Yeah. The victory lane, you know, at, at Daytona is, is unlike, I feel like any other racetrack we go to. And you look at all the greats who have won there uh, in the past in all forms of motorsports, and uh, it's a who's who. Uh, so it's really, really neat to you know, get in that club. And then, yeah, they, uh, they treat you really well. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I know you're a big Supercross, Motocross fan. I remember seeing you came to Glendale. You've been in the TV booth before. So I know you follow the sport really closely. Yeah, it's awesome. I, you know, I grew up riding dirt bikes. I got my first dirt bike. I was, man, I think I was four years old. And uh, so my dad and I just, we grew up riding uh, all the time. We did a lot of trail riding. Uh, I did a few arena crosses back in the day. Uh, that didn't go well. Uh, but I had a lot of fun doing them. And um you know, so I, I just have always enjoyed, you know, riding dirt bikes and, um, you know, I would, I would race on Friday and Saturdays and then, you know, Sunday afternoons we would go, you know, ride dirt bikes uh, in the woods with, uh, with a big group of buddies uh, just about every weekend. And so 
That's what I grew up doing. Yeah, and I've always wondered this. You know, we race generally on, on Saturday night in Supercross or Saturday afternoon for motocross. NASCAR has some Saturday races, but more often on Sunday. So are you you folks watching in the motorhome lot, Supercross, and then bench racing about it on the race weekends? Yeah, uh, early on in the season, it's normally a little chilly, and then a lot of us don't bring our motorhomes out west. Uh, but, you know, Daytona, normally everybody's, you know, outside uh, the motorhomes all watching Supercross, you know, end up at somebody's motorhome watching it outside. Um, or if we're out and about, I'll definitely uh, just pull it up on my phone nonstop. So, uh, you know, whether whether we're at dinner or, you know, at an event, I've, I've got it tuned in. So, yeah, since you're such a big fan, just talk about how great the racing we have seen this year. It's been so close in the points. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Um, you know, obviously in the, the East Coast uh, 250. Um, I mean, obviously the the Lawrence brothers seem like they have the championships kind of in, in their hand. Uh, but I yep. feel like second on back is kind of wild uh, in both of them, and yep. it seems like whoever can stay healthy on on the on that side of things. Um, I'm super impressed with um, with Hayden. Obviously, I mean, heck, he's close to second in points there, and uh, ahead of his teammates, which is really impressive. No. <laughs> You know, and then on the the 450 side, man, if I, I feel like, you know, obviously it's a tight battle. Um, you got three of the best just going at it. Seems like Chase has plenty of speed, especially in qualifying. Just got to continue to put it all together. But I feel like if he, any of those three just put in some consistent rides as far as, you know, wins, it's like they can pull away really fast, but they all keep kind of making little mistakes here and there, uh, which is really exciting for the fans when it comes down to the points, points chase. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Good luck at the rest of the races during the year, but more importantly, from our perspective, just thanks for being a fan and, and, and watching on Peacock wherever you go. That's really cool. Yeah, I definitely watch on the go and man, I'm, I'm pumped for the rest of the year. We'll be tuned in. Thanks for having me on. Well, race fans, with the introduction of the Super Motocross World Championships, we are now in a new world where stats and trends and data gets to be expanded and explored. Clinton Fowler, Fowler's Facts, is going to bring you more information on how we are bringing stats to you now with a combination of Supercross, Motocross, and the introduction of the Super Motocross World Championship playoffs. Super Motocross is the combination of Supercross and Motocross, not just a playoff. This is really important. We have two individual championships that combine to make a third and we've added the playoffs to crown a single Super Motocross champion. Supercross equals stadium racing. Motocross equals natural terrain racing. Super Motocross is the combination of both. We also have two classes. The 450 class is the premier championship. These are the absolute best Super Motocross athletes in the world. The 250 class is the up and coming Super Motocross athletes starting their professional careers. Their ultimate goal is to graduate to the 450 Premier Class. 450s equal the Premier Class, 250s equals the up-and-coming athletes. When we look at the stats, we've got six measurements. Sounds complex, but it's really simple. For the 450s, the Premier Class, we track 450 Supercross, 450 Motocross, and 450 Super Motocross, the combination of both of those. There's one exception from 1986 to 1992. The Premier Motocross Series was split into two classes, the 250s and the 500s. 
We include both of these in the 450 Premier class to keep the integrity of historical comparisons. For the 250s is the exact same with no exceptions. We track 250 Supercross, 250 Pro Motocross, and the combination 250 Super Motocross. There you have it, Super Motocross Stats Explained. Okay, welcome to our 32nd board hot topics in the sport of Super Motocross. Jason Wigand, Daniel Blair, but the real star of this race behind us is Ricky Carmichael and the Ricky Carmichael Amateur Supercross, which started with a very special ceremony. We talked about it with him last week on the show, Daniel. He graduated high school finally. Yeah, it was awesome. And for RC, just the way he's explained the experience and how important it was uh, for him is huge. And I think it sends a message, too, to a lot of the families out there that, look, I know racing is important, but there's more to racing than just, or there's more to the world than just racing. Uh, you you got to get your education. For Ricky to be able to do that, great for him personally, but I think ultimately it's more important for the families and the kids that are out there that are chasing this dream, knowing how important it is to someone like Ricky. It's got to be important to you too. So that was great, uh, which leads us to this race where there are, seems like there's a million people out here for the Ricky Carmichael Amateur Supercross. I know you're here. Uh, yeah, I'm a, racer dad. You're racer dad. Racer dad for the I'm, first time. It's more stressful than I thought it should ever be. I don't know why people voluntarily do this. I was already here to announce the race. And massive, massive respect for the people that do this seriously. I'm just here to have fun. I don't really care what result my kid gets. But if you're into this, and that's the side you're working on, I cannot believe the sacrifices these people make. See, you're a mini dad. I have to deal with all the mini dads mm -hmm. out there but luckily yeah. for me all my mini kids have done great here for oh. ktm husky and uh, gas gas so it's been a great experience but they do run a really great race and ricky being here and walking around and, and inter intermixing with the crowd has been awesome too everyone loves to see him and, and he's been here both days so it's been a lot of fun to see ricky there well there's so much going on down here this time of year so chase sexton actually decided to take the trip from daytona over to st pete to watch the indycar grand prix there as a guest with honda and it was really neat i think i, I see this everywhere when a motocross supercross guy goes to a different form of motorsport, even if that motorsport might be bigger in terms of metrics, the respect level is never higher than it is for dirt bike racers. When you talk to some of the NASCAR drivers, IndyCar drivers, they love supercross, that they watch it every week, they're, they're in the middle of it. A lot of them ride too, or have a history of racing and riding. Um, but yeah, for Sexton to go there and be welcomed, welcomed like he was, like Joey Sabachi was when he came to the Daytona 500, uh, I just think that that's just, it's massive for our sport. The, the intermingling of personalities and characters and how much respect goes both ways is huge. So it's, having him there, I think is good for him, but it's also good for everybody in Supercross because it shows that, uh, that, you know, that cross-pollinization of athletes and drivers and racers. And we had that. We'll get into our hot and not list. The hot is that cross-pollination. Eli Tomac's out of people to beat in the Daytona Supercross. He already went by Carmichael's five Daytona wins, but six last year. With seven, he has now joined King Richard Petty. So when the press release came out about midnight Saturday night, it said King Eli Tomac, because there's no doubt about it. And did you know, actually briefly on his Wikipedia page, it said owner of Daytona <laughs> International Speedway, Eli Tomac. Whoever did that, you won the internet. That was the best yeah. thing I saw. And, yes. and, and of course, we're all proud of Eli, happy with what he's done. But think about the pressure he had. Getting to seven, that's pressure. Finally getting past Ricky, that's pressure. The pressure from Sexton and Webb this year has got to be mm -hmm. uh, very difficult to deal with. And then the pressures of riding really bad and qualifying. I'll just say it, he was not himself at all. So you add all that together, that guy's on the, on the gate for the main event, and you're wondering, what's he going to do? What did he do, Jason? He did Jay, uh, He did Eli things. He went out there and won the race again, and it's just, it, it's just adding to his legacy. It's interesting to see how he's changed. He was the speed guy who had to figure out how to close it. Now, even without the speed, 
he's figured out ways to overcome it by being such a veteran. And we're kind of seeing that as we transition to the 250 class with Hunter Lawrence. He did win the race. He's probably the best guy in the class. But he also threw a little something else in there to help his championship cause with a big, big gap now in points. Yeah, if you're a Hunter Lawrence fan, you're probably loving what you saw. But if you're a Nate Thrasher fan, um, probably bummed. And that's that's fair. But look, I think Hunter took a gamble. I, I think he didn't he didn't want to spend one minute behind the guy that was in front of him in Arlington in those Triple Crown races that you know played a role in why Hunter went down in those races. He probably said, you know, I, I just I don't want to deal with that. Here's an opening. I'm not sure the outcome, but I'm taking the gamble. And he did it, and it worked. And he could have went down, but, um, you know, he, he stayed up. So at the end of the day, he gets the win. He gets the points. And for Nate Thrasher, you get the bad end of it. And that's a bummer because that guy's coming on. And I, I think that um, I wouldn't be surprised if at the next race he tries to make a pretty strong statement. As far as putting your toe all the way across the line, yeah. even your foot and your leg and your whole body, uh, Hayden Deegan is for real. And look, coming into the season, Jason, I thought a lot of hype, YouTube sensation, all the, the noise about the family. But is he really good? I mean, we, we think he's good. We've watched him race amateur. Yes. We think he's legit. No, 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 no. He's more than legit. The kids got it together all the way from top to bottom. I'm blown away. Blown away. Yeah, and to do it at Daytona. And by the way, the rider who Deacon has battled with the most, if you look at almost every race this year, is Jeremy Martin, the veteran in the class, a rider who's won tons of races indoor and out and is always very good here. And it came down to him beating Martin to get that podium. And honestly, every battle they've had, he's pretty much came out on top. So that really shows Deegan being wise beyond his years. And the final note on that, when you have a Lawrence brother, Hayden Deegan, and Mr. Microphone, the very well-spoken Max Anstey, together on podiums and press conferences, this is really good stuff uh, for the sport. So congrats to the Deegan family on getting that. And as good as that was for Deegan, as great as it was for Eli Tomac to win, neither of those riders were the happiest ones here at Daytona. Someone was beaming. It was like the lights had been turned on. The crazy part is, I think back to Oakland, Ken Roxon wins his heat race. It was, I mean, he looked the most depressed I've ever seen anyone ever win a heat race. <laughs> RJ Hampshire still might be smiling. I, he's probably walking around in a, in, a, in a moment of bliss. I don't know. Congratulations, dude. You just beat Cooper Webb, Chase Sexton, and Jason Anderson in a heat race in your very first 450 race ever. Whatever he does from here, that's great. But dude, that's history that was made. And it was unbelievable for a guy who we would think would maybe be flipping through the air at some point. He looked really, really stable the entire day. So shout out to RJ Hampshire. You are a heat race winner. Yeah, he was fast in qualifying. I feel like in the main, he made sure to ride within himself and not throw it away, which is unfortunately what RJ is somewhat known for. So he avoided that, finishes okay. I think he might even be back for Indy. Yeah, so RJ's happy on the podium in his heat race and Max Anstey's always happy anytime you talk to him, but especially now that he's racking up podium after podium. And how about the mic skills? We already know how well-spoken he is. This time he brought a prop his baby on the podium and held it together, still got the normal interview out and showed what a great family man he is. When you say Mike's skills, are you talking about Max or the kid? Yeah, he, yeah, he gets it honest. He wanted say. the skills because mm -hmm. he was grab. Now that was a very authentic moment for a guy who's obviously very happy with what he's doing, but as a dad, like a, a little baby, like to be there with him on the podium at Daytona, I mean, there's so much going on for him in a positive. And yeah, I, I, you could you could hear the, the, the excitement in his voice but that natural authenticity of being with your kid on the podium, I, it, was, it was a moment that I think was great. And sometimes those moments can be a little silly and weird. His answer, of course, was super thorough too. So Max yeah. Anstey just nailing the podium game. And uh, I was doing the live announcing and he said, I felt like Lightning McQueen out there on a NASCAR track. He knows all the tricks to get the crowd laughing and on his side. There are some tricks 
uh, when we talk about the Super Motocross playoffs, we're always talking about the top. We're talking about who's earned their way in with victories already and things like that. But the tricks that the privateers are all trying to figure out is there's a lot of money to be paid, but they have to get in. So what I think is interesting, we're starting to notice privateers counting points and wanting to stay in that overall top 20 at the end of the season to get in the playoff automatically. Okay, the top 20 are automatically in. You don't have to go to the LCQ. You're in. You're racing. So we're going to see a lot of riders staring down that 17 to 22 range, figuring out where they are, where they have to be. And it's already begun. I mean, this is a 31 race championship, but here we are at round eight and they're already starting to do the math and figure things out. So it's great to actually hear from them so they can tell us what they're thinking way, way early. Yeah. So here's Justin Starling and his thoughts on making sure he makes the playoffs. I mean, that's why we're here, right? You know, it's, it is part of the championship and we're not here for just each individual race. We're here for the whole championship. So uh, yeah, we're definitely looking at it every weekend and I'm on the bubble right now. So uh, we got to keep putting our foot forward and try to do our best. That's really all we can do and, uh, and be there every weekend and score as many points as we can so that, uh, yeah, we can go racing the, the three playoffs. Okay, and this is a perfect way to show how tight it actually is. Right now, Starling is ranked 21st in points and he's one point behind Kevin Moran's who's 20th. So that's how much of a dogfight it might be. There's only one point between positions when you're outside of the top five in a Supercross race or a motocross moto. So it's going to be close all year long. So that's the privateers angle on it. So unfortunately, go to the not list. It starts with some 250 contenders, starting with Thrasher, who only got 10th, and a couple other riders had races they probably wish they could get back. Yeah, there's a lot of contenders in their, I'd say, coming into the season in their own mind. They think they're contenders, but now we're getting into this thing and starting to settle down. And I, I'm almost to the point where I don't think there are any contenders. I mean, if Hunter does really well in Indy and Detroit, which I think he can, th this thing might be over before we even get near the end of the series. Now, it's never over. We, we know that. We've seen this thing fall apart for people. But the way I watch Hunter ride, the way he's attacking this thing, the way the points look now, uh, by the time we leave Detroit, for their three-week break, there might not really be any contenders left. This might, thing might be over. No, and some of the favorites coming in, Michael Mosman had another forgettable race. He ended up riding off the track after a crash, bent up his bike. Thrasher, we mentioned, pretty far back. Uh, Jordan Smith off the podium, couldn't quite get his teammate Hayden Deegan at the end, so Hunter is really pulling away. And some unfortunate news here, Dylan Ferrandez did return to racing at Daytona after suffering a concussion a couple of weeks ago, and then had this brutal end-over-end endo in press day actually did try to ride practice Saturday morning and he was too beat up. The team decided to hold them out. So that's a more of a bummer for the Ferrandez camp. Yeah, I'm bummed for Dylan, but I'm also happy that he is okay, ultimately. Um, but yeah, I wanted to see what he looked like on that Yamaha on a track like this to get a little bit of a visual of what the summer might be like. Remember, he didn't get a chance to defend his Pro Motocross Championship. So I just want to see what does he look like? Is he going to look as good as he did in 2021? We didn't get a chance to see that. So ultimately, they did pull him out of the race. I hope that he's going to be okay. Uh, man, I would have liked to see. All 31 Super Motocross World Championship events can be streamed domestically. That's here in the U.S. on Peacock. So to subscribe, go to PeacockTV.com slash sports slash Super Motocross. And for the fans of Super Motocross, they'll have a chance to watch it all year long on Peacock, NBC, and USA Network. And for the international fans, you can join in the fun by getting the Super Motocross Video Pass. Go to supermotocross.tv to purchase access to every moment of the 2023 Supercross season, the Pro Motocross season, and of course, Super Motocross live events in one place. Plus, get over 800 plus hours of archived races. Okay, and welcome to Fowler's Facts. We bring in our staff statistician, Clinton Fowler, to make us all seem a little bit smarter than we actually are. We can all talk about Tomac and Webb and Sexton. That is obvious. But Clinton, 
your data has uncovered someone that's going faster than we actually realize. Absolutely, Weege. Uh, Justin Barsha set the fastest lap of the main event here in Daytona. Uh, incredible, yeah, incredible race. Um, you know, he's not had the best season so far. He's got one podium in San Diego and no other top fives, but he has shown the glimpse of speed. That San Diego race, he was, he set a lap time in, in the top 10 in the third triple crown in Anaheim too. He also had a top 10 fastest lap. So he's shown the speed, but man, Daytona, he sets that fastest lap. And what I think is maybe more impressive is in the first 10 laps of that race, before he had the run in with Sexton, before he fell, he actually set the second fastest average lap time. So he was faster than Webb and Sexton. And it just really came down to not having the same level of start that those guys had. Um, but impressive speed, Weege. Well, not having the same level of start has been the problem. Look, I've said for years, Barsha's strength is his starts. The raw speed, even though he's wild and revs the bike, the lap time is usually not there. This year, it's been the opposite. I feel like lap time-wise, he's been more competitive than usual, but the starts have been a lot worse. So you give Barsha one of his old school hole shots and his very strong ability to defend his position and his speed, another podium should not even be a surprise. Maybe he gets it in Indy, and uh, we'll see if the rest of the competition is happy about that. But Barsha doesn't care. He wants to be on the box again. Strong ability to defend. Strong ability that, to defend. where we're at now? I have a strong ability to defend my point. You can't argue that one. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the range that concerns me, though, because he is a third-place guy, but he's also kind of become an eighth- or ninth-place guy, too. So I, I don't like the range, but, man, on a good night with a good start and his ability to defend, yeah, uh, he could be on the podium and should mm -hmm. be on the podium more often. Uh, speaking of the podium, Clinton, Aiden Deegan gets one, and he's passing the eye test every single week for me. I love what I see, but I need you to make sense of it. Is there data to support my belief that this kid is better than we all think? Absolutely, Daniel. I mean, first off, congrats to Hayden on getting his first podium, uh, you know, just four races in. From a historical perspective, there's actually 87 riders that have had their podium in the first four, four races. So not necessarily impressive wow. to be on top of the podium. Yeah, but what's really amazing is how consistent he's been with his lap times. So if you look at it, the difference between his fastest lap and his slowest lap, Houston and Tampa, he was he was the he was the best. He was the most consistent between those. He didn't have the outright speed in those rounds, but he had the most consistent band from his lap time. So impressive, very uncharacteristics of a rookie. But what really is impressive is in Daytona, he set the third fastest average lap time. The third fastest average lap time. So he showed outright speed, and in that. It's also the first time that he set a fast lap in the top 10 overall in the whole class. So he set the seventh fastest lap time. So not only has he been consistent, which is super uncharacteristic of a rookie, right? You guys know that. But he also has now all of a sudden just shown some incredible speed. So Daniel, I'm wondering like that sort of speed at a place like Daytona, that sets up pretty nicely for the Pro Motocross Series coming up. Yeah, you would think he'd be really good this summer. And I think 2024, I'll just say it right now, He's going to be one of my favorites to win the title. I know that sounds crazy, but that's fine. We can revisit this in a year from now. That kid is special. And the most special thing, Jason, that he actually did, in my opinion, was he at 17 years old decided to go in and throw some at a two-time pro motocross champion like it was no big deal. So the lap time, Clinton, great. But to go in there and just give Jeremy Martin some, like, okay, guys. In the press conference, somebody identified that his dad, Brian, had actually had two Supercross podiums. Hunter Lawrence and everybody else up there said, I thought he only had one when he won a race. And then Hunter said, it doesn't matter. I think Hayden's going to go blowing by whatever mark his dad had real soon. And everybody had a good laugh. Uh, good data there, Clinton. We will see you next week after Indy.
Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Okay, it is finally time for your SMX insiders, Daniel and Jason, to leave Daytona and head to our next race in Monster Energy AMA Supercross and the Super Motocross World Championship. We're going to Indy, so from one popular racing venue to another city synonymous with great racing. Yeah, and it starts with Race Day Live at 1.30 Eastern. And Race Day Live this year is a little bit different. It's out in the concourse in that unique spot that it's in every year. The fans love it. They're all around screaming, so it's got that game day feel. And uh, yeah, so come say hi. 1.30 Eastern, RDL kicks off. Yep, and then 7 o'clock Eastern will be the beginning of the night show with the heat races. Then going into the main events, what are you looking for when we go to Indy? I selfishly want a battle between the big three. Look, yeah. I, I respect all 22 on the gate, but I just want to see these big three go at it again. Sexton's going to want some revenge. Cooper Webb does not seem discouraged after this loss. I think he's hungrier than ever. Give me the top three. Give me it all year long, Jason. I'm here for it. Yep, we'll be here for it too. It's SMX Insider. See you next week after Indy.